Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the U-Turn Podcast, here for you every single week to help upgrade your confidence and elevate your work and love life. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. Perhaps you know me as a former counterterrorism professional at the Pentagon, a life coach, a Forbes columnist, or the founder of Cake Publishing Ghostwriting House. We've got four free e-courses for you on U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. So head on over there if you want to grab one of those to land a new job you love, find your purpose in the workforce, launch your dream business, or get more connected in your romantic relationships. And now let's get started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, Ghostwriting, Publicity, and Copywriting House, there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Hey, everybody. We are here uh, with Jane Garapik, one of my favorite relationship and dating coaches out there. Um, Jane has so much experience and an incredible blog that I myself found. And we're here to talk about why finding and keeping love can feel so hard. So this is for those of you single ladies and gentlemen who are looking for love and also for those of you who are in relationships, kind of wondering deep down or maybe it's not conscious why things are feeling so hard. Um, So, Jane, before we get into all of that, Can you tell us, well, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here with you. I'm so excited to be here with you, and I know that you've coached me a bit, and it's been really wonderful for me, so I'm curious to hear from you about, like, what got you here, because obviously a lot of the time we make our pain our message, and I'm guessing that you, and I know that you've had some pain with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I spent the majority of my single life just chasing after the wrong men. And yet I didn't realize that they were the wrong men. So I had heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. I mean, that was the story of my life. So, you know, when I finally figured out what was going on and and met and, and made the changes I needed to make um, and met my husband and the man who became my husband and had had kids. We've been married now, actually. um this month, it'll be 16 years. Um, so I, what I realized was I had a message I wanted to share because I didn't want any woman to go through what I had gone through. Um, I was talking to different women who were single and friends of mine who hadn't gotten married yet who were still looking for that, you know, the elusive uh, real love, right? Yeah. That, Right, it feels elusive to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. To me too. For years. And yeah, I mean, this is just, I wanted to be married from the time I was like, you know, little. I mean, it was like, I wanted to be 18 and married. My sister did that somehow. <laughs> and so I wanted to be like the one who did that. I wanted to. And for me, it was like, it was just one disappointment after another. And it always came back to, oh, it feels like there's something so wrong with me. And so, of course, my self-esteem got lower and lower and lower. And and, and I tried to find love everywhere. I mean, I, I grew up in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. I moved down to L.A., where you are. And, um, you know, I mean, I was everywhere. I was in Toronto. I, I and, and one of the things I realized was I was taking myself everywhere. So there, ha- I was a common denominator. So what was going on? You know, so, and that prompted me to figure out and, and dig deeper, which I'm going to get into all that. But basically, I, what I came to realize one, one night or one morning or whatever it was when I had my, um, you know, I was looking at my husband. We had our two kids. And I thought, wow, 
wow, like, how did I get here? You know, and I was like, I got to get this message out there because when I looked back on all the men that I tried to make into the right ones, right? The ones where I did all the work, you know, the ones where you do all the work, the ones where you're trying everything, the ones where you're just hanging on like, oh, please, you know, make this, it's got to be, he's got to be the one. He's so this, he's so that, so I'm going to stay longer and I'm going to keep working at it. And I realized that every single one of those men that I tried so hard with and that were so these one-sided relationships, none of them, none of them would ever have made the type of man who could be the husband and father uh, to my kids that this man was. Yeah, and that's, and that's, it's almost a scary thought though, Jane, because I think a lot of people listening right now, if they're in yeah. a partnership, they're yeah. maybe thinking deep down, this isn't, I think there's better for me, but here I am. And so that's a very scary feeling. And then there's the people who are single thinking, well, God, that's a high standard. How am I supposed to find that person that when she looks back yeah. on her life, this was definitely the right choice, but, and everybody else kind of pales in comparison. And, you know, it's funny because we're talking about this now. I was actually just on Facebook, and I was telling you I'm here in Paris at my place. Yeah. And I was scrolling Facebook, and I saw that it was one of my friend's wedding anniversary. And every girlfriend of hers, including me, watched her rock down the aisle with a guy that we thought, oh, my God, she's so making the wrong choice. And their relationship was miserable, and they were just entering into a marriage that why would it change? And so I kind of looked at her picture and kind of felt sad for her life, thinking, wow, she could have married somebody that figured her out or loved her, I think, better. But it's okay. I I trust that there's no such thing as a mistake, and we all learn what we're going to learn when we're going to learn it. But I'm so curious when it comes to finding love and it feeling so hard. I know you have four steps. And you said the first one was to look at our programming. So I know some people here have done personal development listening and some haven't. So what do you mean when you say our programming? Okay, so, and right before I get to that, I just want to say I'm going to condense this down and make it easy because what you just described is looking at it as being so hard. I'm going to show, I mean, basically, there was only one thing that I figured out and that changed everything. That I'm going to get to. I'm going to foreshadow that there. But what do I mean by the programming? Yeah, we get here by our programming. That is the number one thing that's working against us. That is why everything seems so hard. I mean, in a nutshell. It's, it's our programming because our programming tells us, okay, and for most of us who are um, attractive, you know, successful women in our own right, um, most of what we have come to is, in fact, I would say all of it for, for many of us is our programming because, and what I mean by that, okay, succinctly is that we are brought in, we, we are raised with this idea Okay, the culture supports it, our family supported our, you know, everyone means well, but, but the cultural message is from the fairy tales, right, that we, we, we first read. It's that there is a perfect person out there for you, that there's a perfect person, and this person is just, you know, everything you're looking for, and he is going to make you worthy, he is going to get, you know, everything's going to fall into place when you meet this person. Right? So everything is about looking for this perfect person. And it's this idea of what this person is that we have been programmed with more than whether or not this is a reality thing, whether or not this is a real person, whether or not this is someone who is actually compatible mm. with you. So there's and a difference so it, for the, in the ideal you paint and yeah. what might be best for you, which sounds to me like an issue of knowing yourself really. You got it. Exactly. Hey. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And, and I'll tell you, that's why, you know, my coaching, most of my clients come to me getting over someone, right? They've just had this horrible heartbreak. That's, that's what I came someone. to you for, getting over yeah, someone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're not alone there. I mean, that's, that's the number one thing, right? Because pain makes us take action, right? We don't take action when it's kind of sort of okay, right? Yeah. It's when it gets really painful, when it really hurts. Mm. That's when the wake up calls come. That's when it's like, okay, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and we get up our back and we actually do something because otherwise it's just too easy to say, to just kind of, you know, hang around there in that area of, well, maybe I'll get better with this. Maybe I, you know, I'll just meet this guy or, you know, maybe. But when it actually, yeah, when we've had that heartbreak, it's, it's bad. It hurts. Um, so, yeah, so, so most of, of my clients, they come to me that way. But, and, and we work on that, but what it really comes down to underneath, and, and when they're ready, when they've gotten over this person enough or they're starting to see enough, then we go back to you. We focus on the person, you know, of, of you. It is about, it, it, because ultimately, it's not about a guy. It's not about a guy. It never is about the guy, okay? It's always about us. It's always about how we feel about it, how we process it, how we have been programmed to process it, how we, you know, it's, it's everything about the lens that we are looking through. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and that's why it hurts so much is because usually it feels like the staunch rejection, right? Or it feels like our hopes dashed, right? I mean, it's this incredible story that we had that was going to become something and showed so much potential and so much promise. And so this is all programming because programming says that we as women need to be, you know, it, it, I mean, it's the classic fairy tale. It's the classic story that, that, that we're glued to on the screen, right? Because it's the, the story of the, the sensitive guy, right? The strong sense of that, but he's got this, you know, he's got this soft heart underneath, but he's got this hard exterior. And so it's up to us. A lot of expectations we got. You need to be strong on the outside, gooey on the inside, like all of these things. And, you know, by the way, Jane, like side note, I think I'm starting to notice my own programming in juxtaposition with other people's. And so I think for anybody listening, a good side note for this is taking a look at what keeps happening for other people that doesn't keep happening for you. Usually that's a result of programming, right? Like my really good friend is constantly attracting men that want to commit to her. Like every time she turns around, I mean, every time I see her, it's like, how are we going to convince this guy to relax because she doesn't want to commit to him? Whereas um, my experience has been um, a lot of amazing men have come into my life, but they're afraid of commitment or they're nervous. And so I can't help but look at my own programming when I'm like, why have I had a string of guys that are this way and she's had a string of guys that are that way? And that has to do with programming. So I guess anybody listening, maybe take a look at, you can kind of get an idea on you when you juxtapose yourself against other people that you know closely. Um, Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, like, if anybody's listening right now and they're thinking about this, they're like, what is my programming? Like, how can they figure that out? Okay. So it really goes back to um, going back to who you were at about, um, you know, as, as like a seven, eight, nine-year-old girl, you know, go back to those memories. You know, who were you? What, what memories stand out for you? You know, what were you passionate about? What were you excited about? What were you, you know, kind of figuring out who you were 
before all the programming took shape, right? When you felt like the world was your oyster, when you felt like you could be or do anything, what did you want to do? You know, and maybe for some of us it started earlier than that, and you've got to go back earlier. But first of all, it's just having an idea in your head of, of who, and, and you can ask, this has been really helpful, ask someone, you know, ask if you can talk to your mother or your sister or siblings or, you know, friends or, you know, any exposure you can get to who you were, any insight into who you were at that time before all these messages took hold, all this programming, will really give you some insight into where to go, you know, where to start. Because so, where you're, so that looks yeah. like that's like around first grade. So yeah. asking your parents or, or even um, friends that you've had for life, like what was I like or do you remember yeah. what was happening for me in first grade? Because a lot of people are blocked on their memories and it's tempting yeah, sometimes so. to come up with sad stories like I'm blocked on my memories, something yeah. shitty must have happened that year or, right. you know, something yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Um, so people jogging their memory. Okay, and this yeah. could be any sort of event in their life just to kind of place them. Just to place them, exactly, just to get a feel, you know, what we're, you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, in contrast, you know, in, in what, so what does someone tell you and you look at that and you're like, wow, that's, what's the contrast to who I am now? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's some real, so that's a place, yeah, exactly, that gives you a place to kind of look, yeah. you know, and, and it might not be, it may be older, you know, it may be, but, but look around when, before that programming took hold. Okay. Yeah. And, and I always tell people. Start. And, and what I was going to say is I, so one of my programs that I have is, um, I, I called it beautiful, radiant, confident you. And, and what it is, is it's basically unearthing, right? Excavating, peeling away the layers and discovering who you actually are. And I have lots of great exercises and, and, um, just different steps in there and, and videos and everything on, on how to get to the root quizzes, how to get to the root of who you are. Like where, who are you before that programming? Yeah, because right? that's because that that makes all the difference. Because then the real you shows up. You know, you, you discover who is the real me and who am I looking for? Because what we're the the number one thing we're doing wrong is we're looking, and this is again no fault of our own. It's just programming. But we're looking for men or you know partners that that would be compatible with the image of who we are. The that image. we've learned. To Tell me about that a little bit because I think that's okay. really loaded. The yeah. image of who we are. Because I think that this, yeah. this is the elevator pitch. This is the resume. Yeah. This is the bank yeah. account. This is the lifestyle. This is the okay. appearance. So when yeah. you say image, what, yeah. what is that? So, okay. So one of the things I found because the majority of women that I'm talking to are, like I said, they're attractive. They're, you know, successful. They're, you know, they've, they're, all these things, right? They're just standout, wonderful women, you know, in so many ways. And everyone looks at them and says, "How can how come how can you be still be single? How come you haven't met anyone? I, I I can't understand it. You're this, you're that, you you know, you've got you're so all these things. You're still single. How can that be? I don't yeah. understand it. You know, most of us, that's the type. That's what we hear. You know, that's what people say to us. And so we look at ourselves and we're like, Yeah, what? Why? But so the piece here is that. We have grown up with an image of ourselves. Everyone has treated us a certain way because of this image. They have grown, they fostered this image. So we have developed this image of ourselves that may not be representative all of, of who we actually are. And yeah. so when we're looking, when we go out in the world, okay, and we're looking for that love that, that we, you know, want to, to fill us up and to, to make everything perfect and wonderful, you know, all of that. It all has to do with this image also 
of of who we have been programmed to believe we are and then who we have been programmed to believe the type of man we're looking for needs to be in order to make us happy, in order to be the other part of that, right? The other side of that coin. So who is this person going to be? It's going to be someone who is going to be compatible with our image. Which is such a mess because research shows we don't know ourselves very well. Yeah. Completely, completely. And I read a book called The Science of Happily Ever After, and they did a whole study on this, and it talked about how one of the research studied was um, that fr- it showed that friends knew the future of the couple better than the couple did. And I'm guessing that's because the friend neutrally is looking at their part, their friend's choice, their partner, and evaluating their character and all of these things that matter to their friend for them. Versus the friend, the person who picks the person is looking at their image and if they match the image they want. So it's a different radar. Okay, amazing. So we've we've looked at our programming. Um, And before we leave that, I know you talked about your program, Beautiful Radiant You, right? That's the name? Okay, so radiant you, yes, because that's all those things you are. Just after you under, you know, peel away those layers. Yeah. So is there one juicy thing from beautiful, confident, radiant you? One juicy action step that everybody can kind of take away when it comes to looking at their programming as it relates to that program. Yeah, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is, is, um, you know, you, you, if you could see yourself. The way that, I mean, this is, this is the cliche, right? But it's not a cliche. If you can see yourself the way someone who looks at you through eyes of love looks, it would, views you, you, you would see something entirely different there. Because, and that's, yeah, I'm I'm just going to leave it there because that is, I mean, there's so much in there that talks about that. And, and if you come to my website, gettingtotruelove.com, um, you'll, you'll sign up for my, um, newsletter there and I'll send you everything you need to know to, get you started on that path and, and it'll tell you all about that program on there too. Um, That's amazing. And so how do we change it? What would be the, and by the way, this is so funny because I told you this is very unusual, but my really good friend is tuning in or my best friend, she's tuning into this episode as I'm recording here at our, my place. And it's just so interesting because if she wrote a paper about who I was, it would be like the most loving thing. And she always jokes like, Ashley, you're dysmorphic. Like you don't look fat in that outfit or you're not weird. Like that comment wasn't weird or that text message you sent sounded totally fine. You know, like sometimes I'll take a screenshot and be like, do I sound insane? And she's like, no, you sound like a normal person. Like, how do you think you sound crazy? So this would be a really good episode. Maybe even for everybody listening, asking their friend to genuinely write down, like, how do you see me in like a paragraph? I am sure sure that that would be a mind blower for everybody listening. Okay. So that props us up perfectly for number two. So the first step on why finding love feels so hard was looking at your programming, which we just talked about. Second one is how do we change it? So, okay. So let's, you know, let's take me, my favorite guinea pig for all of this podcast. Like I keep on and it's like, okay, so I'm looking at my programming, you know, my best friend, Nicole sitting here, she does a paragraph on how she thinks I'm the funniest person with such a good heart. And I look at it with my dysmorphia. Um, and then I'm thinking, okay, how do we change it? What would be the first step? Cause this feels really daunting to me. Yeah. Yeah. So the first step honestly is, is questioning everything that you have believed questioning everything questioning so you get this this um description she's written down in this paragraph you look at that right and it's like wow is that really me 
you know, wow, she sees me like this, but I see myself like this. There's a disconnect here. The you gap. Know, is that mm-hmm. really, is that really me? Am I really this? Can I really, you know, is this really how I can be viewed and how, how I can, is this the real me? You know, it's, it's question. Okay. So, so the qu- question there is why is there a disconnect? You yeah. know, who's wrong? Who's right? Yeah, somebody's lying. Somebody's saying somebody's one thing, here. somebody's saying exactly. the other. Yeah, where, who's so, lying? Yeah, exactly. So start by questioning. And, and if there's one thing that I try and promote throughout my programs and, and just in anything I, where I'm talking about anything in my blog post, anything I'm sending, my Facebook, Twitter, everything, um, the words that I'm hoping to, you know, to get out there are question. Question it. Question everything. Amazing things start ha- start happening when you question things. True? Because if you can if you can question something that you you just you know took for granted as this is just a given. You know this is just the way it is. Or this is just you know that you take without without questioning. If you look at something like that and and all of a sudden you can turn it around and and you can actually question it. That's gonna you know cover all kinds of things. That's yeah. gonna start to affect other areas where, well, if I could question this, if this wasn't what I thought it was, then neither is this. And that affects every, I mean, this is something that affects your, your career, your personal relationships, you know, friendships with family. I mean, not just love. I mean, what we're talking about here. So then how do we, how do we question everything? Because my guess is that, okay, so I'm sitting here with Nicole, uh, now Pavar, who's a therapist, so this is really interesting because she's always questioning me, but it's hard to read the label (laughs) when you're inside the jar, so, you know, so she'll be like, why do you think that? And by the way, anybody listening, if you want a good book on this, Loving What Is by Byron Katie, amazing book on questioning your beliefs, but obviously not every, I'm, I'm all about efficiency, so how do we get somebody to really see what they're believing because my guess is Nicole's going to write this saga about how I'm her favorite person. I'm going to look at it and be like, I'm not that pretty. I'm not that funny. And then, um, you know, it's not like I have low self-esteem. I just don't think I'm the bee's knees. I don't think I'm a mess either. I just, you know, I don't think I'm like Meghan Markle, you know? Um, so, so we're going to play what if, what if, (laughs) we're going to play what if we're going to pretend Okay, we're gonna pretend and, and we're gonna we're gonna play what if we're gonna pretend that she's right and you're wrong. Okay. That her description of you is correct. Okay? And and you are gonna go out in the world and you're gonna practice that. So what if she's right? What if everything she wrote down about there about you is true? How 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 is how are you gonna present yourself in the world? What are you gonna do? What what's that gonna look like when you go out in the world? What how is that gonna change the way that you present yourself, the way that you talk to someone, the way that you um, you know, interact with someone, the way that you feel about yourself when you're on a date. My ego would yeah, be I mean, through the roof because she just literally positively and reinforces everything. I would be like, I'm the shit. <laughs> like lucky everybody. <laughs> right, right, right. So you're gonna you're you're going to play what if, and you're gonna take what you would say about yourself, and you're gonna put that aside. Okay, you're gonna forget about that for you know one day, one you know whatever, whatever you need to do to to see what life could be like, or what your what that interaction could be like if you you look at yourself, if you are coming from that place of her description of you rather than what you've been you know, put on yourself and, and the description that you've had subconsciously, mostly, of yourself. So, and yeah, it's playing what if. It's pretending. And then I'm guessing the next step would be what are you believing that yeah. is keeping you from stepping into the vision they hold Exactly. Yeah, because if you, can, if you can try that for whatever, you know, a day, a date, 
an interaction, right? I mean, if you can be that person, what's keeping you from believing that? Why, why do you have to be back believing what you're believing? So it's also just what are you believing that isn't? Yeah. That? So, yeah. okay, so anybody listening right now, let's say that, I mean, everybody's best friend thinks that they're the best. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you need a new best friend, which I'm yeah, all right, about. Yeah. Best yeah, those of you who don't have a friend that thinks that, like, get a new friend for sure. Yeah, exactly. Which is a whole new episode I could create called Friend Ghosting, which just means yeah, just exactly. don't write back if they don't love you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, but I would say, um, you know, so everybody listening, they might get a lot of their best friends giving them feedback that they think they're really smart. And if they don't think they're really smart, it's like, what is the belief that they could be better, that everybody's smarter than them, that they're kind of, you know, inefficient yeah. or that they're always late? Like, what is yeah. the, 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 something's wrong with them? Like, what do they believe yeah. that is keeping them from saying, yeah, I am really smart. Okay, great. So just yeah. questioning it. And, but how does that lead to changing it? Okay, because what I, what I want to say about that that's really important here is that the whole point is that we all have things we want to change about ourselves, okay? We all have imperfections. We all have those things, like you said, right, about what if, what if they're always late? What if, you know, what if, what if that is just a part of you that irritates you? I have a friend like that. She's always late, but I love her to death because of all the other things about her, you know? I mean, it's like that's just one thing that bugs me. We're human. So, and, and ultimately, finding love, finding real love and, and growing in your love for someone if you're already in a relationship relationship with someone it, it's all about looking at you know what 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 balances that out I mean they're this way but then there's all these other things that are about them that that compensate for that. you know it's the other side of that she may be always late but it may be that it's you know she's got all these other things that are amazing you know you're gonna just you know I mean so it's looking at what it, yeah what what actually um you know what about the good things? Not just focusing on those things. So what I was going to say about that is it goes to when you look at um, things you want to change about yourself. It's are you looking at yourself it, through loving eyes? You know, do you have a view of yourself that's, that's loving? Is it the, Because the problem is that we look at these things we want to change and we feel like there's just something so wrong with us. And we're just, you know, it, it's, it's just we're mean to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we go about these changes rather than lovingly looking at, okay, I wish I, I need to work on this. We don't do that. It's, oh, I hate this about myself. And there's like this abhorrence about it, right? Like I just abhor the fact that I'm this way. I hate the fact that I'm like this. I'm so stupid. You mm -hmm. know, it's, those are the subconscious words and messages that take on such meaning. But in, 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 so the whole point of this is so that we can make those changes that we want to make. But do the, make those changes, do it with love. Do it with, with compassion. Do it with, you know, as, as your cheerleader, you know. Well, actually, that, can I yeah. ask something on that note, Jane? Is yeah. that how is being mean to yourself related to picking the wrong person for you? <laughs> how is it not? I mean, being mean to yourself. Because when you treat yourself, what it is is the way you treat yourself, the way that you talk to yourself is going to be the way that you choose. So you're going to choose someone who is going to talk to you in a very similar way because what you have subconsciously introduced is that this is what I deserve. This is what is wrong with me. And, and because you feel that way about yourself and you're hiding it because there's usually shame there, okay, and shame is a deep, deep, deep part of this that I could talk about. Well, that's a whole different thing. Subject for another day. But that is the root of it is that, the way we view ourselves, the way we see ourselves, the way we speak to ourselves, even subconsciously, that's 
the person we're looking for, the person we're subconsciously going to be choosing and attracted to is going to be someone who sees us that same way. Wait, but here's and, this. So this is interesting yeah. because, yeah. you know, I have had the most kind men as boyfriends in my life. But like a lot of smart, successful, seemingly mm -hmm. confident, beautiful women, I have been with a narcissist before. And I didn't know he had narcissism until it was like so obvious because it was like just so intense. But I, if this argument would indicate that you date at the level you're on or that the way you see yourself and that if I want to know somebody's self-esteem, I could just look at how their, who their partner is and get a good idea of how that's a mirror to them. Is that what you would say? That's, that's what I'm saying. But what about the yeah, weird ones that slip in? Because I've had some great guys. And, I, you know, I will say I attracted the narcissist when I was in a bad period. Like, I just called off a wedding. I was, yeah. you know, more vulnerable after being yeah. with a really good human being. Um, yeah. So maybe that's just a reflection of the fact that I was kind of like yeah. easy prey and like right. ripe for the yeah. picking. I don't know. Yeah, no, all of that. And, and so what happens is, we're, I mean, we, we, we don't stay exactly the same. Our, if you look at who you're attracting, they're not identical. They have some common themes, right? Yeah. But every once in a while, someone else slips in there. Because every once in a while, someone else shows up to show us something else. To show, to give us the possibility that, hey, there might be someone else, there might be a different type of person. And it, it, what do we do with that person? So that's really what happens is, it's, it's, the deciding factor is, are we, do we accept these people? Do we, you know, when this person shows up, are we able to be in a relationship with that person? Or do we let them go because they don't have that familiar stuff, right? They're not treating us. Like we're used to being treated. Oh right? gosh, I mean, I, Nicole's looking at me because the other day I was like, "Yeah, I went out with this guy," and she's like, "He's so handsome. He looks so nice." Yeah. I'm like, "He's so nice." She's like, yeah. "Are you gonna go out with him again?" I'm like, "No." No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So can I just tell you one thing? Yeah. So in amongst all of my just heartbreaking stories, you know, I mean, they were all classic. You know, we could go on about those, but anyway, all these guys, and then most of them were like the the bad boys, or most of them were the you know they were the emotionally unavailable men. Not Sorry, bad boys. Some of them were disguised, right? And yeah. yet they're all underlying. All of them had emotional, you know, issues, availability issues. None of them were available. So in amongst all of those, I met this call, this person through work. We were working with um, his company. And, oh, my goodness, he was, when I look back, there, if there's one person that I look back on that, wow, I, you know, really messed that one up, it's him. Because here was a guy, now when I look back, I mean, he just, he was different from all the rest. And, and so who ended that relationship or who ended it? Not because I had to end it, right? Because of the, the way I was being treated or whatever. And I finally realized it was, he wasn't going to end it. So I had to, but I ended this one because why? Because he, he was just too nice. There wasn't <laughs> a spark. There wasn't enough of a spark. There wasn't, and he's the one I look at now, right? Have, 16 years into my, my marriage with my husband, when I have really come to see what matters for the long term. And I think, wow, you know, that was the one guy that was different from all the rest. And what did I do? I let him go. Now, I mean, this is where it all works out because, I mean, I couldn't be happier with my husband and my kids and my life, you know. So there, there are no mistakes. Okay, and there are no, but my point is. My I was going to say, is, Jane, I'm like, your husband's going to tune into this episode and be like, what the fuck, Jane? <laughs> There's somebody else. The point I want to make, because I hear this. I hear this from a lot of women. They're like, but what if 
the guy that I let go wasn't the, the bad boy, wasn't the emotionally unavailable guy. What if the guy I let go was actually the good thing? And I let him go because I wasn't at the level of emotional health or wherever in my life that I wasn't able to see that he was a good guy. Yeah. And that just because there wasn't that amazing spark. And by the way, that spark is all about the feeling of what we can't have. And it's recreating something from our childhood where we're looking for this unconditional love that we couldn't have. And it's this thing that we, you know, we, we try so hard to, to get. It, it, basically, that spark is a sign of, of a real red flag, okay? It's the opposite of what we've been told. So, like, the bigger the smart spark, the bigger the problem. <laughs> yes. yes. Amazing. Exactly. This has been so Absolutely. insightful. Okay. Yeah. But my point is, so my point is that there isn't just one. There's lots of ones. That's abundant. That's an yeah. amazing thought. Well, and you know, this is making me think a lot because when I was a kid, my dad was always really busy and he was really anxious about work and he was a great dad, yeah. but he was an anxious dad. And so there's a level of him not being available emotionally to yeah. me because he, he was in a bit of chaos. And so yeah. it's interesting because there's so many men from my recent history that are like, I'll see you soon, babe. And the next thing I know, he's like, oops, got a trip to Moscow this weekend. Oops, got to go to Israel. Oops, got another yeah. business trip. And I'm like, goodbye forever. Like, so this is, I'm playing the same. I've played the same thing out and I'm aware of it, um, which brings me to, you know, changing it. So do you yeah. believe it's just that awareness and that questioning it? And then also, you know, you've changed it when the good starts to come and the universe starts to calibrate with yeah. you. They yeah. throw you new options, yeah. new patterns, yeah. and you start to say yeah. yes to those. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, it's tough because everybody wants a spark. So how do you say yes to somebody that you don't feel a spark with? So you don't say yes to them. You say, let's see. You say, I'm going to see, I'm going to try this out. You don't rule, write someone off right away. Okay. You, you get to know them a little bit. Because what you're seeing now, see, we, this is the programming. We've been so programmed to look for what matters now. And now is someone who's hot, someone who we have this incredible chemistry with. So, I mean, this is the thing of everything we have ever read and everything we have ever watched. I mean, the commercials, ads for goodness sake, are all talking about this, right? I mean, everything is the spark. I mean, the movies that, that sell, the move, the, you know, I mean, it's all about the, the woman who, who her love, her love melts the cold, hard heart of this this man who has potential right it's only because of her love she's loving enough she she's able to give him what he has never had before well i do believe though but i do believe jane that there's the two most powerful catalysts for transformation are love and loss i think that when you find real love it can also transform that kind of messy guy the problem is the problem is it has us blinded Yes. It doesn't have him awakened nearly as much as it has us blinded. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is we start making more and more concessions and we start making more and more allowances and we excuse more behaviors while he's getting all this love. And yeah, he's being primed for, I mean, this is the perfect opportunity. It's the catalyst for change right there. Yeah. But more often than not, what's happening is in that time that he is just reveling in this love and, and you know, just starting to, you know, and maybe starting to think wow, this could be something, this could, I could change for this, because this love is amazing and incredible, but it's what it does to us while we're waiting for that to happen, that's the concerning part. Yeah, okay, this is interesting. That's the part we missed, because yeah, love can conquer all, but only if both people, you know, wanted to, Yeah. only if both people are choosing that, and the problem is that what, what, what is happening to us in that process is 
is just so much more detrimental than, than his progress. Well, and there's and also something slippery, Jane, here. And Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. You said there's something more detrimental. Well, and it's what it's doing to us. I mean, it's the fact that we start thinking, you know, this is class, this is the love. This is, I just need to love him more. And he's, yeah. and, you, and we start seeing little strides. So we see little things and we, we see those as, wow, this is huge. It's moving. Yeah. And it's not. Yes. So that, that's the lie we all buy into is we see a little yeah. progress and we make a story yeah. that like the transformation is around the corner without realizing that it's possible that this progress is it. And that's it. Also, um, what this makes me think a lot of, and I just totally forgot my thought. What was it? It was, oh, just somebody saying that they want to change or they want to do the work. I have found in my coaching practice, working with people on life coaching, career coaching, business coaching, every now and again, there's somebody who invests in working with me where I think, wow, they really believe that paying the dollars is what's going to make the transformation when the transformation is doing the work after they yeah. pay me the dollars. And so I found that there's still people who think they want to change, but they actually don't. And I know that their actions are a really easy way of saying that, but what do you have to say to all the people listening right now? And I don't want to just say ladies, because I know yeah. from the statistics there's some cool and evolved men listening to yes. your podcast. Oh, I have some amazing male clients, too. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. So what are the indicators where you you might be stuck in that hamster wheel of maybe this is going to change. And then let's talk about power. It's consistency in behavior over time. There's no immediate, you're not going to see immediately if someone is going to change. It's going to be, you're going to see something right away to give you reason. Okay. I believe that it's possible. You have to see something right away. Okay. But, but it's going to be over time and you set that time. You know, what, what, what can you live with? What yeah. is realistic? Got and that's it. an individual thing. So you have to decide for yourself, you know, do I give him um, two weeks to see if there's some consistency here in, in changed behavior? Are there signs that we're moving in the right direction or not? Got you know, it. two weeks, a month, you know, some women can go long. I mean, and what I would say is start with a, with a shorter time frame and then at that point reassess. Reassess where you're at because it may be that you're seeing something positive that, you know, you want to give it a little more time. But the biggest thing here is what's the communication like around this? If you don't have someone who you can talk to, if you don't have someone who you can have open communication with about deep things like this, okay, not all the time. I mean, that's what your girlfriends are for. But, you know, but if you don't have someone who you can have these conversations with, what do you have? I mean, you're going to be with someone potentially who you can talk with, you know, for decades. You want to be able to... Talk. If you can't talk about the things that matter to you like this, that's, you know, that, that's a real red flag. That's a sign right there. Things are probably not going to move in the direction that you, you want them to. You know, somebody, you have to be able to communicate. You know, and that involves me, communicating about what's going on here. makes me think a lot about my career because I've always, um, I've dated guys, you know, I've not been as attached to how successful or how much somebody loves what they do, but I'm realizing because I like what I do and because I've had any level of success with it, that it's hard for me to be with somebody 
that isn't on the same page with that because one thing I like to talk about is creation and right. different ideas I have. And I found yeah. that men who aren't creating or aren't in a place where they're sparking and generating ideas as an entrepreneur or something yeah. similar, um, they can't really hold my ideas or maybe they're really smart and they can. Um, but yeah. I found that that's one struggle that I've faced. So just listening to you talk about, oh, wow, you're going to be hanging out and talking for decades. It's obvious, but I think a lot of us forget that. We do, because we're focused on, is he hot? You know? We're focused on, is there this incredible spark? Well, I mean, that's, that's, all those things are great, but you're looking for someone who, where there's, there's a little bit of spark, where there's a little bit of, you know, you want chemistry, you absolutely want chemistry, but you need all these things where you're truly compatible, where you can actually live with each other. If that, you know, if you want to live with this person, you have to be able to talk, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to live together. I mean, think about roommates, right? In college or whatever, you know, you, when you've had girlfriends as roommates. I mean, think about that. Imagine if you couldn't talk about things that bothered you, right? Imagine if you couldn't communicate well about everyday things that came up. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, imagine that. Pretty I mean, big loss. Because it is crazy what, what comes up in, you know, I mean, like I said, I'll use my, I mean, 16 years we've been together and, and the things that, that, you know, we talk about now versus the things that we talked about, like in the first six months or even, to, you know, first year, I mean, it's, it's, it's like crazy, right? But we don't think that far ahead because you're in that moment. Does he like me? Do I like, you know, is there the chemistry? Is there the spark? You know, that's where we're focused mm. on that and the image, right? How do we look together? Mm -hmm. Do we fulfill that image? The expectations, you know, that my parents had for me? You know, all that stuff, the expectation that I have for myself because I look a certain way or I have this certain, you know, level of whatever, you know, that, that this person looks good with me. Yeah. I mean, well, let on, me you ask know, you also, road, whether you look to get good together, it's going to be the least of your concerns. Well, and you were saying yeah. that you were saying that you guys talk about completely different things now as husband and wife years huh. in. What's the difference? Yeah. Has it gone deeper? Because I think a lot of people believe that. You know, you can only talk so much, and then after that, it's kind of like you're doing the dailies. How do you find that it evolves? I so that is, I mean, my favorite, you know, date nights with my husband um, are talking. We that is the one thing, you know, that when you have kids, it's like that's what I miss the most is just being able to talk and talk and talk. I mean, I love to talk, so I, you know. The person who I chose, the person who is ultimately compat most compatible with me, is someone who loves to talk too. We love to talk about our dreams, our hopes, our plans, and to dream outside the box and to talk about different creative processes. I mean, that's that's our compatibility. You know, everyone's different. But for me, I mean, the number one thing that that I, you know, my perfect date night is just being able to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, without interruptions and just being able to just have those deep conversations together. So, yeah, they go deeper. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of mundane things you talk about, but it's those deep conversations. That's the heart stuff. You know, that's the that's the deep, the real stuff that's there that really reveals who, who you've got. Two people are. And what about like getting to know somebody? Because I think accessing that depth, like I found personally that my deepest connections, I've l lately happened to have the wrong impression of them. Yes. So, I mean, how, how yes. do people decide so, when to give it a green light, when to give it a red light? You know, it, it's almost counterintuitive, but you really have to be wary of the guy who just talks too much in the beginning, the guy who's super deep in the beginning. You really have to be wary of that guy. You actually want someone who's more surface in the beginning because you want some, and not surface by fake, but someone who goes super deep in the beginning is, is definitely someone to, to proceed with caution with because he doesn't know you. 
you know, he, he doesn't know you. You're just getting to know each other. He, there needs to be a, play, a time and a place for that, and it's not in the very beginning. It's, it's not right there before he even knows if it's safe to talk to you, before you even know if it's safe to talk to him. I mean, because what happens is when, usually when, when a guy starts talking like that, we let down our guards, and we're like, wow, you know, we can talk deep too. And you end up having this relationship that's just so out of proportion with, with the actual relationship you've just met. Yeah, like you know, it can't and yet hold. We love that. It can't hold the yeah, found, there's yeah, no foundation to hold the deck. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so number yeah. three was power. So why finding yeah. love feels so hard? First, we got to look at our programming. Second, we look at how to change yeah. it. And third, we look at power. I know we've yeah. got just a little bit of time left. I would yeah. love for you to talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, and yeah, and the thing with power is that usually we don't realize that relationships are all about power. It, they're all about power, and, and we don't realize it because it seems like it's just a relationship, it's just about love, but what happens is when, when we go into a relationship, we either hold on to our power or we lose our power. We, we rarely ever gain power, and, and that's not really the point here. The point is just to bring out what is, what is consciously going on behind the scenes out into the open so we can actually look at what's going on here because typically what happens is we give our power away. Okay, that's what typically happens. We go into a relationship. This guy has all that. We right away put him up on that pedestal and think, wow, this guy's choosing me. This guy wants to be with me, and he's got so much to offer and so much, you know, and we look at him, and we forget, wait, what about, what about me? What about me? What have, what have I got to offer? What have I got to give? You know, that's not the focus. We focus so much on him that we forget ourselves. And we start losing our own power there. And we start forgetting that, wait a second, I'm an equal with this guy. And if I'm not an equal, if I don't feel like I'm an equal with this guy, why? Is it because he has this, you know, he brings power to this relationship with him that there's no room for my own, that there's no room for equals, you know, and, and that would be a red flag because then we're, he's looking for something where he calls all the shots, where he's the one who sets the bar, where he's the one who decide, basically sets the terms, okay? So you, you and, and that's a slippery slope to go down where you start walking through this relationship, being in this relationship on his terms and forgetting that you might have your own terms. You might have your own boundaries. And all of, it, all of a sudden it becomes deferring to him and deferring to his terms, you know, even if they're not spoken out loud. Or, what do you, you think know, creates stuff. that? Like, why does this happen? So this happens because, again, we get excited. This is the... Because we get excited when someone chooses us who is attractive, who is desirable, who has everything that we have on our, our list, right, the check boxes. When he meets those on the surface, we get super excited, right? We finally have someone we can bring home to our parents and introduce, you know, after they've been sick. Why are you, why are you still single, right, and all this other stuff? We finally have someone to go to that party with to, you know, we – so for – and again, this is a very cultural thing. I mean, it's, it's our culture, right, says – if you're with a man, you know, and he's a good man in terms of status and all this other stuff, then you, you will, you know, you will have higher status. You will be a better, you know, you will be worth more, essentially, is the message that we've gotten is be with a guy who's, who's got all these different societal checkboxes check, that you can check, and you will be perceived as having more worth. And that is just something that most of us don't realize is going on behind the scenes, and it's all about power. It's trading our power for to be with someone who gives us this feeling of, of being powerful because we're with them. And, and yet we lose our power in that because we, we start deferring to them. We start forgetting that we have a say here. We start, it, we start looking at them instead of remembering who we are. And mm. we start losing ourselves in this person. 
So by power, I mean, don't do that. Remember, you are your own woman. You're going to be the same woman before or after him, regardless of what happens here. You, you bring what you bring to this relationship, and that is your, your beautiful power. I mean, we, we forget that. We discredit it, or we just, you know, we, we, it becomes this where we're down here and he's up there, and it's so subconscious that we do that. But it's why we start excusing behavior. It's why we start making excuses for him and, and being so understanding of everything that he's got going on in his life that would mean, you know, if he's if he doesn't call us when he said he was going to call us or if he doesn't, you know, if he, he changes plans at the last minute or makes last-minute plans when, you know, without thinking them through. I mean, how do you want to be treated? You know, yeah. That's, well, you know what I think also is that what I've yeah. come to realize over these months, not that I'm clearly a guru on this, but... Yeah. I found that for me, finding the right one so far, I think I'm getting closer to it because I'm quicker at saying no. Yes. And it's not about, I, I'm starting to feel like it's not about me finding the right one. It's just about me not occupying myself with the wrong one so that my You're energy so right. is available. And so it's kind of so just right. like saying no every time something yes. feels like a no. So I'm, I'm a bit ruthless about it, not in, not in a way where I'm unkind, but in a way where I'm quick to say no. So lately I've had to slow down. That's been my healing and say, yes. let me get to know you and make sure that this is a no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. The only reason that you that you would delay saying no is if you have someone who is incredibly kind, incredibly compassionate, incredibly creative, incredibly just the character stuff, you know, the the that compassion, kindness, those need to be right up there. That's why you might delay with someone, okay? But yeah, Finding some, finding this, this elusive love that we're looking for, whether we're in a relationship or not, it really comes down to looking at, uh, what we don't want. You know, looking at getting, not spending all the time and energy we're traditionally spending on men who have no, you know, they don't have anything they can offer us besides you know, the stuff that we're putting up with. That's the number one way. If someone is showing you clearly who he is, okay, look at that. Look at that. Is this who I can see myself married to? Is this who I can see myself with, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road? You know, I mean, these are real things. Is yeah. this someone, you know, what you want is your best friend who, who you're also attracted to. That's you can also have sex for. with. Yeah. Okay, and then what yeah. is your final piece? You said yeah. raising the bar for women everywhere. Uh, All I'm hearing is yes. Beyonce single ladies right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing what it comes down to is, you know, we are in this together as women, and one of the biggest problems right now with relationships and men and, and all this, okay? And by the way, that, I need to say that men too, this applies to you. Transgender, this applies to you because uh, I've yeah, already gotten people everybody. DMing me being like, this is all about the ladies. And I'm like, shit, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah, side yeah, note, this is, anybody listening, this, this applies this to you. I can already tell. This is across the board, yes. okay? This is across the board. We, we change things for each other. This is the collective, okay, community of, of like-minded, okay, people. Okay, this is, we change things when we refuse to settle for behaviors that just aren't, aren't okay with us. Okay, so the problem is you have the guy who, who is with some woman, um, she sleeps with him right away, 
and he treats her horribly and she's in here emotionally now right connected and she keeps thinking he gives her the the surface promises or he's you know comes on the way he does and and she starts believing oh if i just hang on a little longer you know just keep giving what he wants just keep being this amazing sexy attractive you know desirable woman that he's going to come around right well that serves no one okay because because what it does is it means he doesn't have to do anything for to get what he wants he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't have to make the effort he doesn't have to, and so he we're, we're just doing ourselves all a disservice because if she decides she's had enough at some point and she says okay I'm done is, is that going to change him is he going to look back and see what he lost or is he going to go with again with with his programming and is he going to go and just find someone else because he's going to find someone else who will accept that behavior you know, I mean, this is my point. We need to be clear on who we are. We need to be clear on the fact that dating and, and relationships and meeting men and meeting, you know, not just men, but meeting our, you know, the, the love, whatever that love looks like with, with whatever, you know, whoever that is with. It, it's not that hard. It's that we make it hard with our programming. It's that we make it hard with the way that we have been traditionally doing the dating thing and the relationship thing and the way we've been looking at it, the way we've been not able to see the programming that brought us here in the first place, um, focusing more on another person than focusing on ourselves. The, and so what we need to do with that is we need to look at it as, okay, I'm going to raise the bar for each and every person that comes after me because I am not going to settle for certain kinds of treatment. I'm not going to allow someone to treat me this way because when I, when I do not allow someone to treat me this way, I also, I change it for the next woman who comes along because it was the next person because he is then not going to be able to treat that person the same way and get away with it. And it's a collective thing. And I guess you if know, that fails too, you can get like, get Judge Ashley slash Judge Judy in your back pocket. And I'm like slapping everybody's wrist, like, don't put up with that anymore. So nope. I'm glad it's that you're... the number one thing you can do. Don't put up with something that you would not want your best friend to be putting up with. You get what okay. you put up with, people. You don't yeah. get what you attract. You, you get what you right. put up with. Because yeah. we're talking about changing the way that people are treated in relation. I mean, this is the way we end abuse. This is the way, I mean, it it's on so many levels. When we start small with just standing up and saying, no, this is not okay. And it's even recognizing that it's not okay with us, right? Because so often there's a behavior and we're like, okay, well, you know, he's, he, but he had this, he had this bad relationship. He had this, you know, he had this abusive relationship, his, his dad, you know, whatever, you know, he had this really tough upbringing. All the sad stories. Oh, he has yeah. trauma and now that's why he's treating me like shit. It's like, okay. Well, so, okay, final question. And I know we're wrapping yep. up now. Yep. How does somebody get centered before they are going out on a date or going into a situation where their nervous system is reacting to that and they could yep. be tempted to give away their power or slip into their programming? Yep. Okay, the number one thing is having that, that little memo you've got to yourself. So whether you've put this, you know, a, a post-it note on the, on the mirror or whether you've got this written somewhere, you need a cheat sheet you can refer to before you go out on that date, before you go out side and in, in, into the world when you're going to have this, you know, where you're going to take your road, you know, your show on the road here, you know, all the work you've done and everything. When you get into a relationship, when you're dating, that is when you know, you, you put it into practice and that's, that's when you have to step it up. So you need to have the words that say, I know who I am. I know, I know what I bring 
to any relationship. I know who I am. I know what I have to offer. And nothing is going to change that. Nothing about someone else is going to change that about me. So it's whatever equivalent of those words, and I talk about that in, in the program about um, finding out the words that are the, mo- the most powerful for you. Wonderful. But you need that. You need that because you're going to go out there, and there's just so much programming. There's so many things you're going to be triggered with. There's so many things that, that you know, we're going to label things as, and then we're going to judge ourselves, and we're going to put on that persona of ourselves, right? We're going to start acting the way we have been so programmed to act that is going to be the exact opposite of what makes finding love, dating relationships easy. Because if you're not having fun, if you're not, if you're not enjoying, if you're not staying curious and, and, you know, looking at who you're going to be meeting and, and the possibilities, if that's not what you're feeling, then, you know, Come back to yourself and look at, okay, so how do I change that? How do I make this easy? And, and then take that one step. Once, you know, it, it's one step. That's where everything starts. All right. right well, thank you so much, Jane. This has been amazing. I know yeah, that a lot of people right now. I know you too. And I'm sure that <laughs> people, I know I could ask questions. I mean, the U-Turn podcast is start, starting to tune into Ashley's free coaching hour. So this has just been amazing <laughs> for me personally. I thank you it. so, so much for everything. And um, I hope you have a good rest of your day and I'll let you know when this airs. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. My pleasure being here. Talk Wonderful to, to be there too. Bye. Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, and I'm having so many different thoughts after this episode with Jane Garapik, uh, mostly just about, first, the thought of trauma. So I think a lot of us have programming, and that's something that she talked about in the episode, and typically that's something that our belief system is formed. I know that children are very suggestive, and our beliefs about the world and how we see things and the meaning we make of them are often formed by the time we're anywhere between 7 years old and 12 years old. But I've heard that anything after that in psychology is considered trauma. So anything that really influences the way you think beyond your initial programming is trauma. So I think that one thing I would add to the episode is she said question your programming. I think there's also taking a look at did you have any traumatic experiences growing up? Um, And I think she kind of clued in on that and said maybe you had an experience later. So taking a look at these experiences you've had and really evaluating how they've influenced or molded the meaning you make about the world. Uh, Another thought that I was having was around image. She talked a lot about how we all have a certain image that we hold of ourselves and that often it's not accurate or it's not aligned with what's most important for us and it translates into us making decisions that line up with the image, not who we actually are. And hence, we're only as disconnected to other people as we are to ourselves because we're tied to our image when we're not connected to ourselves. Uh, And I found also that in personal development, in, in my coaching practice, doing life coaching, career coaching, business coaching, I found a lot of the times, especially with relationships, that people are usually bartering for an image. And that might mean that you don't want to call the shots. Maybe you don't trust yourself and the image you hold about yourself is that you can't make decisions. If that's your image, then maybe you're going to look for somebody who can make decisions for you. And when you do that, that's coming from that wounded place of, I don't want to make decisions for myself, so I'm going to give my time and energy to somebody who will give that to me. So there's a level of bartering to keep this identity alive within yourself. So I think 
The first question I have to ask you is what is the image that you are holding of yourself? What is the image that you believe yourself to be and what are you trying to call into your life, whether it's romantically or for your career or in your friendships? You know, how do you see yourself and what do you think you deserve or you should have because of how you see yourself? Uh, and I love the exercise that Jane recommended about getting the feedback from friends on how they see you. I'm currently in Paris right now and uh, with with my best friend, Nicole Naupavar, who is a therapist in Los Angeles, and we decided we would do this exercise tomorrow. So we're going to be sitting by that Eiffel Tower writing a paragraph about how we think each other is, really. And... What really struck me is that if what your friends, your closest people to you who love you, see you, what they say about you and how they see you is really true, then how would you be different in the world? If you really believed how they see you is true, how would you operate differently in the world? I think it's just a question to be with. And another thing that I found really interesting was that sometimes in relationships, and I've personally experienced this, Other people will project onto me their view of the world, and I find myself feeling claustrophobic or small. And I think I've mentioned this before, but if somebody's ever talking to you about, quote-unquote, the way it is, and you feel smaller or you feel yourself um, suffocated by it, I think usually that's just an indicator that you're in their frame and it's time to step out. And what I mean by that is you're in their way of seeing the world, their matrix, their belief system, their programming, their trauma. And if it feels small to you, if it feels constricting to you, that just means that your beliefs in that area might be more expansive, they might hold more possibility, and it's just an indicator for you to step out. You know, I've found there's a lot of relationships that, well, not a lot, but a couple of relationships I've been in where... I might have seen the world in a more expansive way for myself, at least that's how I saw it, than someone else. And they might be telling me like it is, and I feel myself feeling really constricted by what they're sharing. And from here on, from there on out, I really started to believe that when I feel that constriction, it just means I'm in their frame, frame of thought. It's very innocent. I'm in their belief system, and it's time for me to step back into mine. And, you know, going back into the concept of image and the image you hold about yourself, Uh, I once had a mentor who talked about it like we were Mr. Potato Head. She said, we're all like a Mr. Potato Head where we create our pieces. And everybody has their own version of Mr. Potato Head. So for me, part of my Mr. Potato Head is that I love cupcakes. I love chunky knit sweaters. Friendship's really important to me. I love rap music. Um, There's like little things about me that kind of put together my identity, my image, my Mr. Potato Head. that I'm My Mrs. Potato Head, I guess. Well, until I married my Miss Potato Head. <laughs> um, but I would love for you to consider what are, if you were a Mrs. or Mr. Potato Head, what are some of the pieces that you're putting on there to create your image? Is it that you dress like a hipster? Is it that you're promiscuous, that you're sexual? Is it that you have a lot of money and that's part of the, is it that you like a certain type of music? Like what are all the pieces of the image that you have created about yourself? What is your image? So I wanted to end on that note because I think that is the most powerful note to end on Um, and really asking yourself, is that you? And maybe doing that exercise with a friend describing to you who they see you as, truly. All right, so those are some thoughts. Um, It is midnight in Paris. I'm off to sleep. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode, for being here with me, for being here with Jane, but most of all, for changing the standard, I think, because Jane ended this episode on the topic of really raising the standard for everyone. And so I want to thank you for being here, for doing personal development on yourself, and for asking these questions that bring bring you closer to your true essence so that you can step up, set boundaries, be who you are, and create a life that you really love and a life that reflects who you are. All right, this is Ash signing off. I hope you have a great day. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.